discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This evening, we want to just thank God for his goodness, for his kindness. I think God has been gracious to all of us. Amen. For the gift of life, for the gift of health and strength, it's a blessing that we are all, you know, increasing in. Being blessed with God's word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've been learning so many beautiful things already. Yeah. And uh, tonight, I want to continue sharing concerning what to do with the first coming of Jesus Christ. It's important to preach a long series. It's very important. It helps you to be able to understand a lot of things at a go. You know, I try not to just, you know, put lessons, lessons of God's word, but to show you the theme of God's word, to let you know why this was written here and why this was written there, so that you can have a proper understanding of the scriptures. Okay? Then you can get your own lessons as time goes on. Hallelujah. So tonight we are going to continue. Um, concerning what to do with the first coming of Christ. We've mentioned that the very first thing you need to do with the first coming of Christ is to awaken to the fatherhood of God. Awaken to um, the fact that you have the life of God now. You are the child, you're a child of God. Awaken to your rights in Christ, basically. Then we mentioned the second thing as awakening to the, the importance of spiritual growth. You see, the importance of spiritual growth. And um, knowing that you stand before the Lord You'll be presented to the Lord on, on one day as a mature, you're expected to be presented as a matured son without spots or any of those things. Hallelujah. And I went on to start talking about factors, six fact texts for, for spiritual growth. And I mentioned factor number one as well as finding your spiritual nuclear family and planting yourself in there in order to grow. If you don't find one, you're in trouble. You'll not be able to grow as you're supposed to. Hallelujah. Then we mentioned a second thing as well, as food. You need food to grow. Everybody needs food to grow. Without food, you cannot grow. Then we mentioned a third thing as well, as water. As much as you need food, you need water. I mean, most of our foods have water in there. Even though we have 75%, we are made up of 75% of water, you still need water to survive, to live. Hallelujah. You know, and then we went on to talk about the fourth thing, which was what? Which was air. That was the last thing we did. On, uh, on Sunday. And I think we've, there are so many beautiful things we shared along some of these lines. I'm not going to repeat them. They are all on, uh, on, on YouTube, on podcast, and all of that. So you can just listen to them and be blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to welcome you once again. Let's start with a word of prayer and then we'll continue. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for this glorious opportunity to share with your children. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is here with us, explaining your word. Thank you for the ministry of the Spirit that imparts understanding to our hearts and imparts wisdom and knowledge 
to our hearts. Thank you that as your word proceeds forth, counsel is brought to us. Thank you that guidance is brought to us by your precious Holy Spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the ministry of your word that is served to us tonight. Thank you, Father, for growth on every sphere of our lives, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So tonight we're going to go on to the fifth and the sixth thing. I'm going to do these two, no matter what, so that we can finish and go to the next thing. So the next, the fifth point, I don't know if you remember, the fifth thing I mentioned as a factor that helps for you to grow is exercise. You know, you can't be eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating without exercising. You know, walking is a form of exercise. As you walk, you're exercising. As you stretch, you're exercising. We, we stretch, we do all kinds of things in order for us to go. If you just eat and don't exercise, you will have a problem with your growth. You see, it's either you become obese, physically speaking or spiritually speaking. You know, so there are those who have eaten a lot of the word of God and have become obese, spiritually speaking, because they don't do what they're supposed to do with respect to exercising, exercising themselves spiritually with the word and with other things. Hallelujah. You know, so it's important that you exercise. It's important that you stretch, you walk, you go to the gym, you know, and do some things. You run, you jog, you skip, you do all of those things. Physically speaking, you squat, okay? I wanted to say something, but I won't say it. You squat, and then, you know, you skip, and all of those things. Physically speaking, you do all, the, all of those things just to, you know, to be in shape and to ward off any form of sickness, any form of disease, do you see? It's very important that you exercise, physically speaking. All those of you are not into exercising. The Lord is talking to you this, this evening. Okay, go to first, maybe you think I'm just saying, first Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. First Timothy 4, 7 to 9. He says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Verse 8. For bodily exercise profited little. So bodily exercise is profitable. It has some profit. He says it profits little, but it has some profit. Do you see? So you need to exercise bodily, bodily speaking. You must try and skip. <laughs> you must try and squat. You must try and do some push-ups, some pull-ups. You know, try. Do your best. Hallelujah. <laughs> so that you can stay in shape. There are some sicknesses and diseases that come to us naturally speaking, that are unnecessary. Yeah. You see, it's just because of a lack of exercise. Sometimes you feel so tired, even though you've not done anything. You wake up in the morning, you've slept for eight hours, you wake up tired, you know, and you continue tired throughout the days because there's no form of exercise. Hallelujah. I'm sure my wife is very excited as I'm talking about this right now. You know, so for bodily exercise, profit a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Next verse. Then it says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Hallelujah. It says, this is a faithful saying and it is worthy of all acceptation. Everybody should accept it. That physical exercise is important. Then it says, and spiritual exercise is also very, very important. Let's read the Amplified of this verse so that we understand even some more. First Timothy chapter 4. Let's read from verse 7. All the way from verse 7. It says, but refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions, Mere grandmother's tales and silly myths and express your disapproval of them. Then he says, train yourself toward godliness, piety, keeping yourself spiritually fit. Wow. Then he says, for physical training is of some value, is useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training is useful 
and of value in everything and in every way. For it holds promise for the present life and also for the life which is to come. Wow. So there's something called spiritual training or spiritual exercise to keep yourself spiritually fit. Isn't it amazing that all these things are in the Bible? You know, so God is expecting you to be spiritually fit, to keep yourself fit spiritually. You see, he's, he's not only expecting you to be eating the word, drinking the water of the spirit, breathing in the, the, the air of the spirit, and just be there. He expects you to exercise yourself unto godliness. He expects you to exercise yourself spiritually speaking. Now, what does it mean? What does it mean? I'm going to show you a number of things in the scriptures. Look at, let's look at the message version from verse, from, verse, uh, from verse 7 once again. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Next verse. Since workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. A disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. You know, but before he starts talking about spiritual exercises, he, he talks about refusing old wise fables. And I want to show you about some of those things. You see, there are some things you can't keep up with and grow spiritually. It's not possible. If you remember in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, we could read from verse 1. 1 Peter 2, 1. Let's read 1 Peter 2, 1. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So you cannot grow as a child of God if you don't lay certain things aside. You see. So if you're going to grow spiritually, you must ignore some things. Spiritual growth demands your focus. It demands your attention. It's not something you do on the side. It's something you do actively. You see. So he says, take your eyes off all of, the, all of those things. Go back to verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice. Lay them aside. Lay malice aside. Do you understand malice? Malice is wickedness. Let's read the Amplified. It to help. It to enlighten us some more. So be done with every trace of wickedness, depravity, malignity, and all deceit and insincerity. You are, you are a child of God, but you are into deceiving people. Do you see? Then it says, insincerity, pretense, hypocrisy, and grudges. You are a hypocrite. You have a double life as a child of God. You are like this in the house of God, but then you are another thing out there. You have, dual, it's called duality, having dual, a dual personality. It's av- avoid hypocrisy and grudges, envy, jealousy. A child of God who is into holding grudges, today I'm not talking to this one, tomorrow I'm not talking, these things don't help you to go. So he says, lay them aside. Slander and evil speaking of every kind. You know, slandering people. You've not, you don't know the person. You weren't there when the thing happened. But then you start talking as, as though you were, you were there live. You know, you don't know what happened. The Bible says to help, go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. You see what I'm talking about. Galatians 6, 1. It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Have you seen it? Let's read the Amplified. Maybe you, you, you are not getting it. 
Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, so this is what you do if you are controlled by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, if you are spiritual, if you are growing, this is what you will do. It says you should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. So you don't behave as though because this person has fallen, it is now time for us to discuss the person. Because this issue, this brother has had an issue, this sister has had an issue. She's gotten pregnant out of wedlock. So now it is your, you are the broadcaster. You are the one who distributes the information. You type a long message with pictures and all that, then you start, you send it out. You're a slanderer. It says, lay those things aside so that you can grow actively. Now, apart from all these things, he also mentions some unnecessary things that a lot of Christians, uh, that catch the attention of most Christians. It's called old wives' fables. Old wives' fables. So go back to that place. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So it is something that competes with you having the opportunity to exercise yourself onto spiritual things. If you are not careful, you get into all kinds of foolish genealogies and asking unnecessary questions. Where did God come from? Who gave birth to God? How is the virgin birth possible? Why did, he put, why did God put the tree in the garden? You know, all kinds of silly questions. Do you see? He says, refuse them. Let's read the Amplified. It's nice. I don't know if you like my message. But refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales, stories that are not true. You see, people talking about things they have not seen. There are angels in a certain realm that get, it's like, instead of focusing on growing spiritually, you start getting into unnecessary things. Angels. Names of angels. Dreams and the details of dreams. Those things are not written in the Bible. They are not written in the Bible. Hallelujah. But refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions, mere government steals, and silly myths. Silly myths. And express your disapproval of them. Silly myths. There are so many scriptures along this line. Can you imagine? Let me, let me show you so many scriptures. Look at First Timothy chapter 1 verse 4. First Timothy 1 verse 4. It says, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So do. Let's read the Amplified. It's always against godliness. Exercising yourself in godliness. It says, not to give importance to or occupy themselves with legends, fables, myths, and endless genealogies. Do you see? Who gave birth to... Uh, someone can ask a question. Is Hercules real? Who gave birth to Hercules? Who gave birth to... You've watched uh, Titan, whatever. Clash of the Titans and all of that. Then you start thinking about mysterious things. You want to fit it into the Bible by force. You think Harry Potter is real. <laughs> he says, and endless genealogies which foster and promote useless speculations. This is what it does. It promotes, it fosters and promotes useless speculations and questionings rather than acceptance in faith of God's administration and the divine training that is in faith. In that meaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence. Have you seen it? So he says, if you are going to exercise yourself spiritually, you must take your mind off unnecessary things. Take your mind off unnecessary questions. Stop getting yourself involved in endless genealogies. 
You know, some people say that the Ashantis came from the ground. And then it's, it's a thing to hold on to. I had a discussion with a young man recently who was saying so many things, and that was one of the things he mentioned. Now he said, but Adam also came from the ground, so what are you talking about? And it's like, that's what he believes. Like, he's, he, he was a Christian who got exposed to other religions at a point in his life, you know, and started questioning, hey, how come, because he, was, he spent some time in China and in, uh, is it Myanmar or so, something like that, you know, and he was exposed to different, you know, he said he asked somebody, do you know Jesus? The person said he has, she has never heard of Jesus, you know, and the person also asked him, do you know Confucius? Then he said, I've never heard of Confucius. Then he was like, okay, then it means that depending on the location you are, you are in, your belief system is different. So it means that everybody can decide to believe in whatever he or she wants to decide to believe in. You know, yes, that was what he was saying. His spiritual development was cut short because he started getting himself involved in questions. Is the Bible real? Is the Bible true? It wasn't all written by a white man. Uh, is it not? Is it? All kinds of foolish questions. He says, if you don't put those things aside, you will not focus to grow as God would have you. Okay? So many scriptures. There's some in Titus. There's some in Second Timothy. But for the sake of time, I will not go into all those things. Okay? So now go back to First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 once again. But refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure and godless fictions, mere gamma tales and silly myths, and express your disapproval of them. Then it says, train yourself toward godliness, piety, keeping yourself spiritually fit. Go to the next verse 8. For physical training is of some value, useful for a while, but godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way, for it holds promise for the present life and also for the life which is to come. Meaning that training yourself spiritually will help you in this life and in the life to come. And to help you in every single way and in every single thing. It is good for your business. Training yourself spiritually is good for your business. It is good for your, your family. It is good for your career. It is good for every single thing. It is good for your academics. It is good for every single thing that you can. It says it is useful and of value in everything and in every way. So this is something you should not joke about at all. Exercising yourself spiritually is very, very important. Now, what does it mean? Remember, he says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So what does it mean? What does godliness mean? The word godliness means piety. It means to be devout or devoted to something. Okay? It means piety. When we say someone is pious, it means he's godly. Hallelujah. It means to be devout or be devoted to something. It also means to be godly. To be godly or to have devotion towards God. Hallelujah. To be devoted towards God. To have devotion to God. Your devotion to God. Hallelujah. It also means systematically programming yourself to be devoted to God. <laughs> systematically programming yourself to be devoted to God or to revere God. All these are meanings of the word godliness. So he says that train yourself Rather, unto godliness. Can you imagine? Train yourself rather unto godliness. If there's any form of exercising, spiritually speaking, it has to do with exercising yourself along the lines of godliness. If you read in Second Peter chapter 1, let's read from verse 2 so that you see. 
He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Next verse. According as his divine nature, his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Meaning that as far as God is concerned, everything you need to exercise yourself towards godliness has been given to you. He says, according as his divine power has given unto us, not will give to us, but has given unto us all things that pertain unto life, not just life, not just the eternal life, but unto and godliness as well, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So God has given us all the impetus, all the materials that we require to exercise ourselves towards godliness. Now remember, godliness has to do with what? Devotion. Devotion. Piety. Becoming godly. In other words, living the God life. Training yourself systematically. He's talking about exercising. You know, when you, when you hit the gym for the first time, you may not be able to carry 50 kilograms at once. It doesn't work like that. You pick up, you pick up from one point to another. You may be able to pick up 5 kilograms to start with. Or three kilograms as a lady or something. Do you see? Then you go gradually. You start gymming gradually. You start exercising your muscles gradually. You start squatting. You may be able to do uh, five squats. You see another person squatting, doing hundred squats. But if you try to compare yourself to that person, you are going to be in trouble. So he's talking about working on your devotion towards God. I don't know if you get it. Let me explain it to you. Now, how do you, how do you go about it? He's talking about the first place to work on with respect to your devotion to God or exercise yourself spiritually or train yourself spiritually is in prayer. Prayer. Prayer is a devotion towards God. Remember, when you read in Acts, the Bible says that the disciples went to the temple at certain times. They had times of prayer. They walked into the temple at the time of prayer. If you read in Acts chapter 3, you see it. Let me show you one in Acts chapter 3. From verse 1. Acts chapter 3 from verse 1. It says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Have you seen it? They went into the temple, what? At the hour of prayer. There was an hour of prayer that was scheduled. That they go. They go to all the time. All the time. All the time. For what purpose? To pray. There was an hour of prayer. Different times, actually. This was the ninth hour, which was 3 p.m. Okay? So he's talking about working on your devotion towards God, like systematically programming yourself that from this time to this time, I am praying. That's what it means to train yourself spiritually. One of the first areas is prayer. Maybe right now, you can't spend more than five minutes as an individual praying on your own. You can't do that. You can, the, the maximum you can do is five minutes. There's no problem. That's where you are now. But start exercising yourself along that line to be devoted. This is a devotion I'm going to have towards my God. I don't know if you get it. I'm going to be calculative about it. I'm going to be systematic about it. Now, if you don't start working on some of those things, your spiritual growth will be erratic. It will be like ECG type of light. To go off and on and go off and on and go off. And, and you'll never understand. You wonder, why is it that I'm not growing? It's like I'm fine at certain times and I'm not fine at certain times. It's because you've not learned to structure your life along your devotions towards God. You do it as and when. It doesn't work like that. 
If you are going to exercise today and not exercise tomorrow or put yourself on a proper exercise schedule, you realize that you can do for two days and then you forget about it for another six months. You've not done anything. It's next to zero. Basically, you've done nothing, really. Hallelujah. So he's teaching you that just as you have we exercise physically speaking, there's something like that spiritually speaking. And you must be consistent at it and make efforts to increase it as time goes on. Please, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's very important. Without that, you will not grow. So you can learn about prayer, but you never pray. You learn about prayer. You get food concerning prayer, but you never use that food for bringing energy to your spiritual life. Hallelujah. I don't know if you like my message. So you schedule. I couldn't pray longer than 30 minutes some years ago. But now I can do three hours. I can do three hours at a go. I can do six hours at a go. We've done six hours, not once, not twice. We can do six. We are on. Six hours, eight hours, ten hours. We are going. But we started from somewhere. Do you see? You start, you start from somewhere. Maybe you can't, you can't pray. You can't do that. We are, we are admonished. Because without prayer, you cannot grow. Without prayer, prayer is the left leg upon which we run in life, in the life of God. The word of God is the right leg, and prayer is the left leg upon which you run. You must not be told to pray. It is, it is an instruction from, it's an expectation that God has from you. If you are in love with somebody, you talk to the person. Prayer is communication with God. If you are in love with God, you talk to him often. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, I mean, you can't be in love with someone and talk to the person just... Two minutes in a day. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. The more we talk, the closer we get. You work on your communication. When, you, when we are doing counseling for people who are going to get married, we talk about communication a lot. We say that communication is 80% of the marriage. And sex is 20% of the marriage. Because 80% of the time, you'll be talking. You'll be communicating verbally, non-verbally. You know, you'll be, you'll be talking all the time. So prayer is so important to keep any relationship, to keep anything with God. Thessalonians 5, 17. It says, pray without ceasing. Pray without what? Ceasing. This is the instruction of the Lord. This is the instruction of the Spirit. Do you understand without ceasing? Pray without stopping. That's basically what he's saying. The Greek word is hacking cough. Keep praying. Let prayer become like a cough for you. You see, when someone is coughing, when someone has a problem with cough, he can't, he, that, he can't help himself. He can be giving a very important announcement and then he'll say, okay, so I'm here to give an important announcement. <laughs> he can't help himself. It comes out without, it's involuntary. He says, that's what he's talking about. He says, pray without ceasing. Pray involuntary, like pray incessantly, basically. Okay, look at Luke chapter 8, 18 verse 1. Luke 18 verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. So you look at yourself, you realize that this scripture does not, it doesn't refer to you. Like you are not inside. Because as far as you are concerned as a child of God, your prayer is two minutes in the morning. You speak in residual tongues. The tongues that is finishing. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Then you are done. and That's it. When there's a prayer meeting that is going for two hours, then something is doing you. You don't want to. You don't want to hear it. You see, you don't want to hear it. This is a group one. No? You, God is expecting you to do this on an individual level. Pray without ceasing on an individual level. This is your devotion to him. 
your commitment to him. He says, exercise yourself rather unto godliness. For godliness, spiritual training is profitable unto all things, having promise of this life and of the life that is to come. Hallelujah. You, you decide that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to excite myself. These are things you do, you do intentionally. You do it intentionally. You set time. That for the next 30 minutes, I'm going to start with 30 minutes. I'm going to commit myself to praying for 30 minutes. Every day. I'm going to pray for 30 minutes every single day. From 7.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. I'm praying. That is the time that has been fixed. Now, if you do it as and when, it will never work. And you cannot train yourself spiritually. I'm talking about spiritual training. Okay? You cannot train yourself spiritually. You should know that spiritually speaking, you are not going to get far. Some sickness will come in. Spiritual sickness will come in. Some challenges will come in because you, you've not decided a long time on those lines that I'm going to be praying from this time to this time. Maybe you need to wake up early in the morning to do this, what I'm telling you now. Because you may not be able to do 7.30 to 8.30 a.m. Your day may start earlier. So you may have to do 5.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. If you commit to it, you'll be surprised at what will happen to your life. You'll be shocked. 5.30 to 6, you keep an alarm. You don't, need to, you don't need to go do any long things. Put an alarm on. 5.30, I'm up. And at 5.30, you are up. You move from your room or you kneel down by your bed and you start speaking in tongues and fellowship with God for 30 minutes in prayer. That is what he's talking about. That is what he's talking about. I don't know if you like what I'm saying. Committing to it. It's, it's the only way to grow. It's too important. It's the only way to exercise yourself spiritually. It's the only way to make sure what you are hearing, the word of God does not become useless in your life. Because for many, it is useless. It doesn't do much for them. Hallelujah. So he says, exercise yourself rather unto godliness. Refuse old wives, fables, and all those things, and rather exercise yourself unto God. Rather exercise yourself. He says, train yourself in God. You remember? Go back to First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Let's read it in the, in the message. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. So this is your exercise in God. When it comes to prayer, this is your exercise. What exercise I do for 30 minutes. You see, exercise is not, it's not just about jumping. You do it for a certain period. It kicks in. Physically speaking, it kicks in when you do it in a particular period. So if you watch some of these exercise videos, they have 45 minutes exercise, 35 minutes it's up to a certain point. If you do a particular, if you keep letting your body become vigorous along a certain line for 35 minutes, you can expect results. Yeah. But if you are going to do it for 10 minutes, you jump for 10 minutes and that's it. You may not see the results you want to see. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you commit yourself. I'm going to be praying for 30 minutes for, from now, for the next six months, I'm going to be doing this. And then you commit yourself. You focus to it. You become consistent. Don't say, oh, that is laziness. Don't allow laziness to destroy your life. Commit to it. There are a lot of Christians who don't have devotion. Like they don't have money devotion with God. There's no devotion. You, you go as and when. As and when. You always have a problem. You always have a problem. Okay? You always have a problem. Something will happen along the way. You need to put fix some time. Between now and now, this is what I'm going to be doing. For 30 minutes, I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be praying. For another 30 minutes, I'm going to be studying the word. I'm going to read my notes. You make a decision along that line. That's the next thing that you, you need to, you need to 
be devoted. So it's your devotion to God in the word. Okay? With respect to the word. Studying it, meditating on it, and doing it, basically. Deciding that I'm going to do the word. When a challenge comes, I will rather do the word than do what I feel. Now, how can you do the word if you don't know the word? So you must start off by getting to know the word. You start off by deciding I'm going to be reading the word for 30 minutes every single day from the first one was 7.30 to 8, right? So from 8 to 8.30, I'm going to be doing that. Or from 6 p.m., 6 a.m. to 6.30 a.m., I'm going to be reading my Bible. 30 minutes for prayer, 30 minutes for the word. I'm going to open my Bible, look at the notes that I wrote when they were teaching me, okay, and refer to the, to the scriptures. Find out about the scriptures. Look at the scriptures once again. If you are the type of Christian who writes notes and throws them away or does not write notes at all, your spiritual development is, very, is going to be very far away. To be honest with you, that's what is going to happen. Sometimes people ask me, oh, how come you've gotten to know these things? Brother, sister, I learn. I learn. I learn. I've learned before coming. I, I learn. I read it. I find out where what is on a daily basis, not just because I'm coming to preach. What I preach to you and what I'm learning for myself are diff- two different things altogether. I can share, what, I can share my, my meditation with you, my quiet time with you this morning. I can share it with you. It's not, this, it's not what I'm teaching you now. It's not what I'm teaching you now. God has been teaching me concerning running a race. That's what I've been, that's what God has been teaching me on, on a personal level, running a race, focusing to run your race. Yeah, that's what God has been teaching me. It's, so it's different from what I'm teaching you now. With different sets of scriptures altogether that I'm learning, learning, trying to meditate on, getting it into my mind so I can start thinking on them. Because without that, you can't progress. That's the truth. That's the truth. So apart from exercising yourself in prayer, you must take long strides in prayer. You have to pray in tongues. 30 minutes on non-stop, you are speaking in tongues. That is where the visions will come. That is where you will see, you get the ideas. Consistently. Not you do it today, then once every week, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. If you really want to see, if you are going to go on, a, on, a, on an exercise spree to reduce or to keep fit in a certain way, sister, you can't do it once in a week. It doesn't work, isn't it? You must do it at least three times a week. At least three times a week. There are those who do it every day. 30 minutes, morning and evening. 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening. 30 minutes in the morning. To get a certain kind of result, brother, that will show for everybody to see. You must, you must commit yourself to it. You must become consistent. And you decide. You decide to, to do that. You, you are intent on it. Don't wait on the Spirit of God to do anything. When you make a move, He will help you. If you don't make a move, what should He do? Because he's, that, he, the Holy Spirit is the one talking to you now. I don't know if you are noticing that you are quiet wherever you are. I don't know if you notice that you are very quiet. Because what I'm seeing is something you don't do. Uh-huh. It's the Holy Spirit who's talking to you now. He says, train yourself. Exercise daily in God. It's a daily affair. It's a daily affair. Every day you wake up. 30 minutes. Kola hade. Shola kaba. You close your eyes. You shut your eyes. And focus in prayer. Try your best to, to pray in the spirit. Do you see? You remember I taught you concerning praying in the spirit. This is, the exercise has to do with putting all that you have done. If you don't have water, you can't exercise. I don't know if you get it. If you've not eaten, you can't exercise. You must have ample good food inside. Energy must be there. Through the food, the water, being a good family. A good family organizes exercises for you. To make sure there's a gym at home so that you can exercise. Now, this is the time to put, 
the word, that is the food, the water, and all those things to proper use. So that it can, it can fit into your system appropriately for you to be able to do what you're supposed to do with yourself. You see, so all the things you said concerning, for instance, when I was talking about the water, I was talking about drinking of the spirit. Yeah. Being filled with the spirit. This is the time. This 30 minutes is what you're going to do. You're going to use that to get filled with the spirit. So you are intent on it. You, speak, you don't speak absent-minded tongues. Then you pick your nose a little. <laughs> what a shock. This is not the time to do that. You are active on it. Like practically attending to the word, practically attending to prayer. Basically, that's what he's talking about. Exercising in the spirit. He says, keep yourself spiritually fit. That is the only way that you have profit. He says, it's profitable for now and the life that is to come. That is the only way you have profit. Without that, forget it. Look at 1 Timothy. Let's read chapter 4, verse 7. So the first one I mentioned was praying, right? Prayer. I'm talking about the word now. 1 Timothy chapter 4, um, verse 15 rather. 1 Timothy 4, 15. I'm surprised I wrote, I wrote 7 here. It's 15. It says, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Let's read the Amplify. Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them as your ministry, so that your progress may be evident to everybody. Do you want your progress to be evident to everybody? Then he says, throw yourself into it. Practice it. Cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Meditate upon the word, basically. That's what he's telling you. So you find time. You find time. You get the word inside. Now, how do you get the word inside? You must read it and attempt to memorize it. Don't think it will get into your mind by osmosis. It doesn't work like that. Or by diffusion. It doesn't work like that. No matter how many times you put the, 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 the Bible under your pillow, it will never diffuse into your mind. You need to look at it. You need to look at it and study it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For, and then you repeat it for yourself. For God so loved the world. I mean, when we were... By God's grace, I grew up in church. You know, so I had the opportunity to start learning scriptures at a very early age. As at age seven, eight, we had to have, we had to memorize chapters of the scriptures. Chapters, yes. Chapters. Maybe you didn't get that. Makes no difference. Makes no difference. It's not too late. Don't say, I'm too old. Your, your mind, you have a sound mind. Remember, he's giving us a spirit of a sound mind. You have a sound mind. You can memorize, you can at least find out some phrases that you can keep in your mind. Yes. And you bring it to your, the Holy Spirit bring it to your remembrance when you are there alone so that you can think on it. Hallelujah. You must meditate on the scriptures. Meditate on the word. And then that meditation will lead you to doing it when the opportunity presents itself. Don't be a kind of person who knows so much, so many scriptures. But when it comes to practically putting the word of God to, uh, to use for your life, you are bereft. You, you can't do anything. When the opportunity presents itself, when depression knocks on your door, don't open the, the door of depression to come into your life. You start confessing for yourself. Okay? The word of God is working. I cannot be depressed. The Holy Ghost is working in me. I have the spirit of strength, of a sound mind working in me. My mind cannot, I cannot be depressed in the name of the Lord Jesus. The, the opportunity to be depressed just came, but then you responded with the word of God. How come you were able to respond to the word of God? Is because you have been meditating on it. If you've not been meditating on it, it will not show up. 
on that time, on that day, when you need it. It won't show up. It won't come up. No matter how many services you have attended, it makes no difference. If you, what you hear in the service is not put to work for yourself, if you are not into reading your notes, if you are not into referring to things, forget it. I've listened to many messages. So whenever, for instance, before I came to come and prepare, to come and share with you, I was preparing. And as I was preparing, the Holy Ghost brought a message four, three years ago to my mind. Do you remember this message? And when it brought to my mind, I, because I, I, I took particular notice of it. I paid attention to it when it was being preached. I was not just listening to it and cooking and moving around and whistling and doing all that. No, I was listening to it with my spirit. Effectively, actively. So the Holy Spirit could recall it, could bring it back to me. You see, he could bring it back to me. Go and go and check this particular one. And I went to go and check it. And the information I needed, what I was going to teach, was in there. And I picked it up and then added it to what I had. So we don't just listen to messages for listening's sake. We listen so that the Holy, we listen well so the Holy Spirit can have data, can have enough information to remind us of things that we need, we need to be reminded of. Okay? Yeah. So you need to meditate on the word. Practically, every morning, if you will commit 30 minutes a day meditating, you'll be surprised at how your life will be in the, in the next one year. Just as if you commit yourself to exercising physically, speaking consistently for a year, you will definitely see results. You would definitely, so if you, this is what to do if you want to see, it's not a miracle. You don't, it's not a miracle. This is not a miracle at all. If you really want to see changes in your life, he says this particular thing, physical training is useful, but it's useful for a little. But spiritual training, training yourself spiritually, deciding to do certain spiritual activities for yourself, he says it is profitable. For physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training is useful. Is useful. Devotion is useful and of value in everything and in every way. Makes no difference what it is that you need to do. If you devote yourself to God, if you commit yourself to your devotion to God, you'll be surprised. Systematic devotion to God, you'll be surprised at what will happen to your life. He says, your profiting will appear unto all men. There will be changes in your life. You'll see that your results are different. So some people say, well, I keep going to church. I keep praying. Brother, you are not consistent enough. You are not exercising yourself as you're supposed to. As far as God is concerned, he's giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness. There's nothing that is going to drop from God. Sometimes we sing those songs to just help children in the, in the Lord. You know, let Lord do a new thing. Like Pastor John was saying, he'll do a new thing. He'll do, it's true. But it is on a certain level. Because as far as God is concerned, he has finished his works. He's done it. Everything is done in Christ. Now it is up to you to employ the Holy Ghost, to allow the Holy Spirit to bring those things out of your spirit into your environment. And if you are not training yourself spiritually, it will never show. You can go and go and go and go and keep going and keep going. It will never show. You'll be surprised. This is where the problem is. What I'm saying now is where the problem is for most Christians. For most Christians. You don't need a, it's not a miracle. Just train yourself spiritually. You'll be surprised. You'll be shocked at what will be happening in your life. You'll be surprised. Become consistent with God. Become consistent with God. Take your Bible and read it. Just read your Bible. You'll be surprised. Just read your Bible. 30 minutes, one hour in the morning. And if you are smart, you'll keep reading it throughout the day. When you have an opportunity, you have the, you have the Bible on your phone. You'll not go on Instagram. On, I don't have Instagram, to be honest with you. I have an Instagram page. But I'm not the one who runs it. 
understand what I'm saying? I have a Facebook page, but I'm not the one who runs it. Whatever needs to be put up there, we put up there. You don't go on Facebook every every other minute. Every other brother, sister, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with you. To be honest with you, there's something wrong. Your phone can't go off for some time. You see, and during this time when you are devo- you are doing a devotion towards God, your phone is off. You see, it's off. It's on silence. Something. It's off. You are not expecting a call away from God. What are you talking about? I'm going to be speaking in tongues. I'm going to open my Bible and read. Read my notes. Check the scriptures. Rewrite the scriptures. Get it in. So that you can meditate. The Holy Spirit can bring it to your mind and you meditate on it. You find one scripture that strikes a chord in your spirit. That's what always happens. The Holy Spirit bring a scripture that strikes a chord in your spirit. And bring and help you to meditate on it continuously. Don't say, well, me, I can't do these things. If you can't do these things, you, you may not be able to get the kind of results you are looking for. To be honest with you. To be honest with you. You can do, Paul said, I can do all things. Through Christ strengthens me. It includes training us for spiritually. Remember, he says he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So he's giving you the ability to train yourself spiritually. That's where I began from. He's giving you the ability to train yourself spiritually. Don't say, well, me, I'm, I'm not the type that is only melancholics who have you seen melancholy in the Bible? You have, to be, you have to be very careful. That's old wise fables. Be very careful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I'm going to train. I, I want to train myself spiritually. Remember, he says, uh, godliness means what? Piety. To be devout. Or de- when we say someone is devout, it means he's religiously committed to a particular thing. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. That is basically what spiritual training has to do with it. With becoming religiously committed to something. To God. In prayer, in the word, God will always bring opportunities for you to put the word to work. Let me show you a scripture in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, 20. It says, But he that receives the seed into stony places, the same is he that hear the word, and anon, or immediately with joy, receiveth it. Now, remember, he's talking about the parable of the sower. Okay, and he's talking about those who receive the word, the, the seed into stony places. Let me read it once again from verse 20. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heard the word, and anon, or immediately with joy, receiveth it. Yet has he not rooted himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. Every word of God that you hear will present its, it comes with its challenges and persecutions because of the word that you heard. If you hear the word on healing, an opportunity will come for you to put that word to work. A persecution, a tribulation will come to see what you will do with the word. What will you do when the, when the thing comes? If you've not trained yourself spiritually, when some sickness comes, the first thing you do is look for drugs. That's the first thing you do. The first thing you do is to start announcing it. My stomach is really paining me. I feel like I'm dying. By thy words you shall be condemned. And by thy words you shall be justified. You've forgotten all of those things. You keep saying things that are against God's word because you never spend time to train yourself. This one, God will not do it for you. You need to do it for yourself. You need to train yourself spiritually. He didn't say, I will train you spiritually. He says, you need to train yourself spiritually. Hallelujah. Yeah. You see a challenge coming. You hear the word on prosperity? You'll be surprised at what some poverty that will stay at your face. 
As time goes on, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. Or you receive calls of people who are in need. Plenty of people who are in need. They call you. I need money. I need this. I need this. And you are the one they are hoping to get something from. And you realize that you, you can't give anything. God was expecting you to exercise yourself, to meditate on that word. For that word to get deep into your heart. Deep into your heart. So that that good thing that is in your spirit can show forth when the challenge comes. When the challenging time comes. How would you know that you have moved from one level to another when there's no exam? If there's no exam, you can't move from class 3 to class 4. It's not possible. There must be exams. And exams are brought to us all the time. Yeah. Concerning various things that you've heard. Various things that you've heard. Hallelujah. So brothers and sisters, you need, to, you need to train yourself. You need to exercise. If there's no spiritual flabbiness. Hmm? No spiritual flabbiness. You are so dull, spiritually speaking. Not supposed to be like that. You must be active in the spirit. You must be fervent in spirit, like the Bible says. You see, active in spirit. Hallelujah. So in prayer, your devotion to God in prayer, systematically programming yourself. Oh, systematically programming yourself. Be intent on it. To be honest with you, that is what makes a difference. That is what makes a difference. Then the last one, the, the third one is in faith. Okay? Systematically programming yourself in faith. Or your devotion to God in faith. Putting your faith to work, basically. Like, put your faith to work. Because remember, in Romans, Romans chapter 8, um, verse 17, the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing. Let's read it. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as you are hearing the word of God right now, what is happening to you? Faith is coming. Whether you know it or not, faith is coming to you. Grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God's word. As you hear the word of God, grace comes to you. Peace comes to you now in another way altogether. The glory of God increases in your life because you are beholding the word. As you are, are listening to the word of God like this, the word of God is being elevated. I've not been talking about myself. I've been talking about the word. The, the word of God is elevated to you so that you can see yourself, who you really are. You see, who you really are. And change to that same image from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So faith comes to you. Faith comes to you. It's in the food of God's word. As you receive the word of God, faith is coming to you. What are you going to do with the faith when the opportunity comes? You must start training yourself spiritually along that line. Along the lines of faith. Along the lines of faith. Start commanding money. You can't command $100,000 to come when you've not commanded 50 Ghana cities to come before. It doesn't work like that. You need to be trained. You need to train yourself from one level to another. Even Jesus had that experience. The very first time Jesus was exposed to water, his first experience with water was to change it from water to wine at the wedding at Cana. That was the first experience he had with water. He changed the water from water to wine. The second experience he had with water, he spoke to it. The Bible says that they were in a boat going to the other side. And the waters, the winds rose against them. And he stood and spoke to the winds. And the water calmed. The sea calmed. Right now it's called the Dead Sea. It's been calm up to date. Up to date. Jesus spoke to it. It's been calm up to date. His faith has worked up to date. Then the third experience he had with water was to walk on it. Now he could dominate it. He could walk on it. He walked on water. For more than 20 kilometers, 
Yes, 20 furlongs. He was walking on water like that, coming. He had to change it in a, in a, in a bottle, in a, in a container, into wine. The next time he had to speak to it to calm it down, the next time he could walk on it without any problem. He was increasing in faith along that line. Increasing in faith along that line. Hallelujah. So what are you doing? You must train yourself in faith. Train yourself gradually in faith. Gradually in faith. When an opportunity presents itself, don't be quiet. Don't run away. You see, don't run away. It's an opportunity to put your faith to work and recognize that opportunity when it comes. Sometimes we don't see it, that this is an opportunity to put our faith to work. You see, maybe things are not working the way you wanted it to. Your, your health is deteriorating in a certain way. What do you do? It's an opportunity to put your faith, the faith of God's word that you have gathered over the period to, to do something. It's an opportunity for you to use the faith to do something. How do you use your faith? Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13. It's a very simple principle. It's the consistency in it that makes it work. And the intense, being intent at it or being intentional at it is what makes it work. Because as far as God is concerned, we have faith, Papa. Plenty of faith. You have plenty. You have too much faith. The only trouble is that that faith is weak. You've not exercised it over a period. Do you see? So when the challenge comes, you can't put it to work. I'll show you Romans chapter 4 very soon. But look at this. It says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So how does faith work? Faith works by believing and then speaking. The believing aspect is not a problem. The speaking aspect is what is the problem. When the opportunity comes, you forget that you can say something to it for it to change. You start seeing what you can do physically. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. When you start doing that, it means that you are weak in faith. The Bible says that Abraham was not weak in faith. When he saw all the challenges that were surrounding his possible conception, the wife's possible conception, the Bible says that he looked away from that unto God. Let me show it to you in Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. Let's read from verse 17. He says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. You see, this, this was a thought concerning God. He says, God who quickens the dead, God who brings life out of the dead, and calls those things which are not, which do not exist as though they were. This is the thoughts that Abraham had concerning God. Next verse. Then he says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations? According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Where God has spoken concerning him, that your seed shall be like the sun of the sea. Your, your seed shall be like the stars of the, the skies. Then he says, Against hope, he believed in hope. The, every year, the wife's probability of conceiving reduced. Because she was in menopause already when God even spoke. And she kept growing. Every year, another age is added. Another age is added. The hope of conception was going. The Bible says, against that hope, he believed in hope. Which hope? The hope of what God has said. So shall thy seed be. God has said it. And he knew that God had said it. So it made no difference whether he saw something or did not see anything. He, he kept... You see, Abraham... Abraham was not called Abraham earlier. He was called Abram. Sarah was not called Sarah. She was called Sarai. Okay? Abraham means father. God made him father of many nations. Even when he didn't have even one child. 
He started calling himself that name. He, anybody who called him Abraham, he fight, he will fight with a person. Don't call me Abraham. I'm now father of many nations. That was his confession. He had believed what God had said. And so he, called, he consciously called, he called Sarai. He didn't call her Sarah. He called her Sarah. Mother of princes. Mother of many princes. Wow. And she kept saying it. He kept saying it. Mother of many princes. I'm sure the people in the house were laughing at them. Yeah. You don't have a child. You are saying you're mother of many princes. Father of many nations. What are you talking about? Look at the next verse. Verse 19. And be not weak in faith. Have you seen it? He was not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. So there's something called weak faith. Weak faith. Weak faith considers things. Oh, but this one, I don't have this. God tells you, I'm going to give you a car. And then you say to yourself, who's going to give me the car? You can say that at the first time when he tells you. But don't continue saying that after three months. Who's going to give me a car? He's expecting you to have developed yourself along faith to be able to say that that car is coming in the name of the Lord Jesus. That car is here. If you, have, if you receive that, that car spiritually, nothing can stop it physically. If you receive that business spiritually, nothing can stop it physically. If you receive that child spiritually, nothing can stop it physically. That's the honest truth. He says that, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Makes no difference how long it takes for it to show up physically. So long as you know by the word that this is what God has said concerning this thing. Makes no difference how long it takes. Remember, he says that all things work together for the good of them who are called according to his purpose. Of them who love God and of them who are called according to his purpose. So makes no difference what is happening. Makes no difference. You are convinced that what God has said is true. It doesn't come in a day. You must train yourself along that line. And be not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, meaning that Sarah's womb was dead. Sarah's womb was dead. He couldn't do it, but he didn't consider it. He didn't, consider, he didn't think about that. He thought only about what God has said. This one, he kept his eyes on what God has said. Faith is not something to just, you, it's a very important thing. And it's, a, it's something you do intentionally. It doesn't just happen. No. Hallelujah. So God is expecting you to train yourself spiritually along that line, along the lines of faith. With little, little things that come. What happens to you when you have a cat? Hey, I'm bleeding you. This thing is going to kill me. Why are you still saying those things? This thing is going to kill you. It's going to kill you. People have had cats that never went away. People have had bruises that never went away. Don't talk like one of those people. They're untrained. They're unskilled. They're unthought. That's why they talk like that. Not you. See, I'm growing up spiritually. Yeah. It says, as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, therefore we speak. That's how faith works. Therefore we speak. You believe and then you speak. This is what God has said concerning my life. Makes no difference what I'm seeing now. Makes no difference. This is what God has said concerning my life. It's going to come to pass. It is happening in the name of the Lord Jesus. That money is going to show up. Yeah. That child is going to show up. That property is going to show up. He's expecting you to train yourself spiritually along that line. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Exercising yourself spiritually. Without that, all the rest is almost useless. Almost useless. Almost useless. Speak to the waves of your life. Don't be quiet. Okay? Don't be quiet. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Wow. Be devoted to God. Are you going to be devoted to God? That is spiritual training. Can you imagine? That is spiritual training. Be devoted. Every morning, 
you are awake doing something. I'm a late sleeper, so I'm a, I wake up late. I don't sleep early, so I don't wake up early. I, sleep, I always sleep after 12. So you don't expect me to wake up at 5. I don't, I'm not a 5 person. Yeah, I, I wake up at 6. That's the time I wake up. I don't very, unless there's something happening. Maybe a miracle is happening somewhere that I wake up at 5. I don't wake up at 5, I wake up at 6. And at 6, I can start doing what I'm supposed to do. When I wake up at 6, my wife is normally also awake. So, and she will wake up earlier too. She will sleep very early. My wife sleeps early. You may come to my house at 9 and my wife is asleep. Because she wake up at 4. And do her quiet time. I mean, if you want to find someone who is into devotion, go and see my wife. <laughs> I can testify about that for you. Yeah. So I wait for her to go. When she goes away, then I can have my time. So, if you ask those in my house, they'll tell you that at 8 I'm not out. 9 I'm not out. 10 I'm not out. The time you may see me out is 11 upwards. That's when you see me out of my room. Yeah. I, I, that's the time that I'm spending with God. Sometimes, Pastor Ijo will come, one of my pastors who, who lives, we live in the, on the same compound. You come to my house, I tell him that I've not done my quiet time. I have to go and spend some time with God. So please, I'm going when I finish, I'll call you. Am I my man of God? That's it. Because I have to settle that. I have to commit myself to that. Because if I don't, I'll not progress. I'll not go forward. I'll not increase. How about you? If me, you think I know the Bible. If me, I'm doing this, how about you? I don't know the Bible as much. I don't know why you have taken a reserve seat. You are cruising in life. Mother. Let's be serious. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. This is for one for the time you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And I become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. Verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age or that are mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Hallelujah. Look at the, the word use. Okay, It says who by reason. The word reason is dear or through. It means through. Through use. And the word use there is hexis. H-E-X-I-S. That's a Greek word. And it means a habit. Whether of body or mind. A power acquired by custom, practice or use. Okay? Alright, so. This is amplified. This is, but solid food is for grown, full grown men. For those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice. To discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble. And what is evil and contrary. Either to divine or human law. I just want you to notice that word practice. Trained by practice. That's what I want you to see, okay? The Greek word is hexis. It means a habit. Whether of body or mind, a ritualistic thing, a custom, a power acquired by custom, practice or use. It is your custom to wake up in the morning. Even Jesus had it. Even Jesus had that custom, that habit, that early in the morning, he would wake up early in the morning before the day dawns. You go into the mountain. Go and spend time with God. How about you? If the son of God on earth did that, how much more you and I? It was his custom. The Bible says, as was his custom. It was his habit. What are your habits? 
you can develop good habits. This is a good habit to develop. It's very important. I know a big bishop who will tell you, oh, that's my quiet time. I don't joke with it at all. You, I, I thought maybe at a certain point you stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop. It's a habit you go in life with. Because without that, you cannot develop. Without that, you cannot see results. If you want to see results in your life, brothers and sisters, be devoted. Train yourself along the lines of devotion. That's what spiritual training is all about. Training yourself along the lines of devotion. Devotion to God in prayer. Devotion to God in the word. Devotion in God in faith. These three areas. That's all. That's all you need to do. And watch yourself grow. More and more. You'll be surprised. That you're just getting better and better and better and better. The challenges you were facing before are not the challenges you'll be facing now. You'll be facing bigger challenges. And you have capacity to overcome them. You go higher and higher and higher and higher. That's what will happen to you. As the years go by, you just get better. So don't joke with your, your reading, the reading of your notes. Don't joke with it. Don't joke with reading the Bible. Getting into the Word. I'm saying read your notes because when you open the Bible, you don't see what is going on. It's almost like gibberish for you. You don't know. You can't. The compass does not work. You need to start from somewhere. So the notes, what has been taught you, what has been taught to you, you start from there. Gradually, the Holy Spirit will start helping you journey to the Word. Gradually. That's how it works. That's how it works. Okay? So don't write notes and throw it away. No, there's a problem. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. He says that, go back to King James, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. But strong men belong to them that are full age. Even those who by reason of use, by reason of use, by reason of practice, by reason of custom, by reason of lifestyle or habit, have trained their senses. Hmm? The word exercise is gymnasio. It's the same word for exercise everywhere. It means to train, to enter the gym, to train naked even. To train with, with rigor. Since by reason of practice, by reason of habit, they've trained their senses. He's talking about their spiritual senses. You become spiritually sensitive from as you start doing that. You notice that if there's trouble coming, you just know that there's trouble coming. You, you just know. Things happen, you say, ah, I, I just knew. I knew that this thing was going to happen. He's, this is not the spirit of discernment, though. This is not the spirit of discernment. There's an organ of discernment in your life, in your heart. Okay, that needs to be exercised over time. Needs to be used over time. When you see, sometimes when you see someone who is not correct, you just notice that this person is not correct. It will be, it will be very difficult for you to be duped. It will be very difficult for certain things to come close to you because by reason of use, you have your senses, your spiritual senses are active. You you are spiritually fit, basically. That's what he's trying to tell you. You are spiritually fit, spiritually sharp, spiritually very sharp. That is when you are entitled to seeing angels around. Because what, angels are always around us. Just that their speed is so fast that it's so wild that our eyes cannot see it. But as you, your, your physical eyes cannot see it, as you exercise yourself spiritually, your spiritual eyes can capture it for you to see it physically. You just see it like that. <laughs> you just see them pass by like that. Or you see them stationed somewhere. God just opens your eyes as time goes on. Now, that is different from you having the gift of, the, the gift of discernment. That is different. It's not the same. That's a gift of the Spirit. That one, you don't work for it. But this one... You train yourself. And this one is more important than the other one. Can you imagine? 
This one is more important than the other one. And that's what God is expecting you. This to discern both good and evil. Because good and evil are practically the same. Look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 9. Not all good things are good. Not all good things are good. Okay? Genesis chapter 2 verse 9. It says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the, of, of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. So it's a tree that has, that be, a tree, a mango tree bears a mango fruit. This tree called the tree of knowledge of good and evil bears one fruit called the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Meaning that good and evil are in one fruit. Adam and Eve were not created to get to know good and evil. They were created to be God conscious. When they partook of that fruit, then they got conscious of good and evil. And if good and evil are on the same tree, you should know that it means that good is also good also, some good also has problems. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I could give you several examples. I could give you several examples. Is it good to work hard and make a lot of money for yourself? It's good, right? But a lot of people do it at the expense of God without getting to know God at all. Is that good? That's not good. That's not good. But when you look at it immediately, initially, it looks like, oh, it's very good. This person's hard working is really pushing. It's true. Hard working. I preached on it. Stuff is important, but you don't work hard at the expense of God and throw God away. For instance, people come to the house of God, they pray, God, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job. Then you get a job. That's the end. It's finished. Forget about Sunday services. Forget about, oh, why? Why, why, are, you calling, why are you calling me on Sunday? Don't you not have to work? They are being responsible. They are trying to do something good. But they are at the expense of God. That is not good enough. That is why on that day when we stand before God, when all of humanity stands before God, it's not going to be based on good or evil. The standard is Jesus Christ. Not good or evil. Because good or evil, good and evil are practically the same. By reason of exercise, use, you see that you can discern both. You can discern when something good is evil. And you know when something evil is evil. <laughs> because sometimes you can't see something evil is evil. You don't know that this evil is actually evil. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. I don't know if I should go on to the next point. This is exercising. I can say so many, there are so many things I've written on it, but we don't have time. So, that point six is sleep or rest. Sleep or rest. Remember, growth never, you can be standing in the mirror eating and drinking water and exercising and not sleeping. And you'll be surprised that you will not grow. <laughs> growth occurs when you are asleep. A child sleeps, wakes up. Okay, during the day, he will eat, he will drink water, he will exercise, he will move around, jump, and, and all of that, and go and sleep. When he goes to sleep, and you see him the following morning, you realize it's like he has added some height to himself. He's become bigger, he's become, he's growing. We only, growth is only recorded when you are asleep. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> all the things that you do are inputs. You put things in, and you do what you are supposed to do. But then when you are at rest, then your body puts everything in the proper place. You wake up, nobody really realized when he was growing. Naturally speaking, I mean, you don't, you don't see when your hands is becoming bigger. You know, it's like your hands is becoming longer. You are becoming bigger. You are becoming taller. You don't, we don't see it. But, you know, we eat, drink, exercise. Eat, drink, exercise. We're in a good family. Sleep, 
eat, drink, exercise, sleep, eat, drink, exercise. Then before you realize, ah, it's like you have become taller. People start saying, ah, you are, you are looking taller now. You yourself, you check your memory. Like, hey. It's like I'm becoming taller. I'm becoming fatter. <laughs> my cheeks are becoming bigger. Like mine, for instance. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, so you need to rest, okay? It's called the rest of faith. There are different kinds of rests. There's rest of salvation, the rest of satisfaction, and there's a rest of faith. Hallelujah. The rest of faith. So I want to show you what all this is all about. What kind of rest or sleep we are talking about. We are not saying sleep spiritually speaking. That's what we are talking about. It has a particular meaning, and I want to show it to you. If you read Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Second Peter 3, 18, the Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. We are admonished to grow in something called grace. Growth in grace is your rest or your sleep. Growth in grace is your rest or your sleep. Okay? In other words, learning to rest in God's work in Christ. Or learning to rest in Christ's finished work. Okay? Relaxing in what God has done in Christ Jesus. The foundation of the New Testament and the foundation of what we have become and the life of a child of God is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Look at Ephesians 2, 8. It says, For by grace are ye saved. How? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Have you seen it? Verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace are ye saved. Through faith. Go back to verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. How are we saved? By grace. How does it come to us? Through faith. Isn't it? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So salvation is made available by God. God has made salvation available. And even the faith you need to get that salvation into your heart, into your spirit, is given to you by God. The Bible says God has dealt to every man according to the measure of faith. It's given every, it gives you that faith to be able to receive him into your life. So there's no work. He says it is not of works. You are not saved by works. Therefore, you cannot continue by works. Please, you understand? You need to rest in the grace of God. In the assurance of what God has accomplished in Christ Jesus for you. No matter what is happening. That is rest. Acts chapter 20 verse 32. It says, and now brethren. Look at it. Acts 20 32. And now brethren, I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace. Not the word of his law. Or the word of his works. But the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up. And to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. It is the word of God concerning the grace of God. What is, the, what is grace? Grace is what God has done in Christ for you. That is what grace is all about. You don't need to manufacture health. You can't work to get health. But a lot of Christians think that it's because, because they are going to church a lot. They need uh, health. Their health will be assured. No. It doesn't work like that. It is your consciousness of the health made available by God. Okay? And your faith, your response to what God has done is what brings you the healing. So you, there's nothing you can, you can do to bring healing. You can't do anything to bring healing into your life. Healing has made, oh, healing has made available. Prosperity has made available. For you know the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be rich. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace, not the works of our Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. So being conscious of the fact that the thing has already been made available. You see, God has already done it. Everything, as we say, he has done everything for us. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Jesus said, this is finished. God is not working again. Everything that needs to be done. Your prosperity has been accomplished. Your health has been accomplished. Your, your goodness has been accomplished. Your beauty has been accomplished. Your everything concerning your life. Everything that could come, come in your life. Okay? Has, has been already done by God. Now, your response is faith. That is your response. If there's anything you are going to do, it's your faith. To receive what God has done. Or to rather activate what God has done already. To show it up physically in your life. That consciousness is what brings you into rest. <laughs> so no matter what is happening in your life, you know that it's already done. It's already done. You, you are comforted in that particular revelation that is already done. You don't need to do any... For instance, healing is not something you, you have to fast for. We don't fast for healing. Healing has already been accomplished. Put your faith to work and receive your healing. It's already there. It's, and it is already, it's even part of your salvation. Healing is part of salvation. Prosperity is part of salvation. Can you imagine? All those things, the package, all those things have been accomplished and is in us. It's all for us. So I'm going to bring it out. Please, you understand? That is sleep. That is rest. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. It says, let us therefore fear. Lest a promise being left. You see the word as is in brackets. It means that it's not part of the scripture. They put it up there. Okay? So this is how I'm supposed to read. Let us therefore fear. Lest a promise being left of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. He says, let us therefore fear. Like... Be careful when it comes to this particular thing that we are talking about. He says a promise has been left by Jesus Christ. Okay? The whole of the New Testament is the will of God. It's Christ's will for you and I. He has died and risen again and has given us the, his estates. We are heirs of God. That's the truth. We have a great inheritance. It's a fact. Okay? The word promise there is... Let me show you the Greek word. Epa Epagelea. E-P-A-G-G-E-L-I-A. E-P-A-G-G-E-L-I-A. Epagelea. And it means announcement of a promised good or blessing. Or announcement of facts. What Christ has done. He's talking about what Christ has done. What God has done in Christ. Or the accomplishment of Christ. Okay? What he has done for you and I. Because of what he has done, we are, we are not going to fall sick. We are not going to be poor. We are not, none of those things. But he says, let us fear. Lest a promise being left us, of being left of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 2. Because some people come short of it. Next verse. Then he says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. He's talking about the people of the Old Testament. Moses' church. 
the church in the, in the, in the desert. It says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. But that faith is important too. Faith is so important. It says it was not mixed in faith. It mixed with faith in them that heard it. When they heard, you see, the children of the, 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 or the children of Israel who were with Moses in the desert, okay, were told by God that I'm taking you from Egypt to the land of Canaan, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Then he said, yes, we'll go. When they got to the brink of Canaan, they sent 10 spies, 12 spies to go and check out the land. 10 of them came back with bad reports. Look at Numbers, Numbers chapter 13, verse 32. Numbers 13, 32. Remember what God has said. God says that I'm taking you from here and I'm taking you here. It was, it was a done deal as far as God was concerned. They didn't need to do much about what God had prepared. God says, I prepared it for you. He said, yes, we believe it. And then they got there. When they got there, they started talking differently. And God got angry. They believed, but they spoke differently. You see. Numbers 13, 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. They were lying. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Next verse. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we. So we were in their sight. Next verse. Chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice. And cried, and the people wept that night. Verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore has the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be, be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return unto, into Egypt. Can you imagine? We're at the brink of Canaan. After seeing all the miracles in Egypt and all the miracles of splitting the Red Sea and the Egyptians going into the Red Sea and water bringing them, uh, the rocks bringing them water and manna coming down after all the miracles. This was what they said. Let's make us a captain and let us return back into Egypt. Yeah. It says the gospel preached unto them was not mixed with faith, so it did not profit them. They did not get any profit. Do you see? God has said that, listen, you don't need to do anything. I am the one bringing you into this land. I'm bringing you into this land. He had made the promise. But they, they said something else. Go, go down to verse 27. 1427. Numbers 1427. This is God talking now. God was so angry. He says, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Which murmur against me? I have heard the memories of the children of Israel. Which they murmur against me. Say unto them, as truly as I live, said the Lord, as he has spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. As you have said, I will do it to you. You'll be surprised. Next verse. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Verse 30. Doubtless you shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein. I swore, God swore, that I will make you dwell in it. And they said that there are giants there, we cannot dwell in it. They made the situation change their confession. And so they could not tap into the promise that was made for them to have rest. Brother, I don't know what you're going through. Sister, I don't know what you're going through. It makes no difference what you're going through. 
always remember that it is a done deal with God. It is settled with God. It is settled and settled and settled with God. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word settled. It is settled with God. So he told them that, as you are spoken, be careful what you say. You have to be very careful how you talk. I don't know this Christianity thing. I don't know if it's going to... You are denying yourself. You are denying yourself of the power of God. Of the power of his word. Of all the good things that he has made available for you. What he's expecting you to do is to believe in what he has said and confess it for yourself. Like I was telling you earlier. That's what he's expecting of you. To rest in the assurance. He says we must labor to enter into that wrestle. Okay, go, go to Hebrews chapter, chapter 3 now. Hebrews 3, 17. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned? Whose carcass fell in the wilderness? He says, even those who sinned, it was, it was okay. It, their carcasses fell in the wilderness. There's something worse than sin. Can you imagine? That there's something worse than sin when it comes to God. Hey! But with whom was he grieved 40 years? He was angry with some people for 40 years. Was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? In other words, it's those who sinned, their carcasses, they, they died in the wilderness. But who were those whom he was angry with for 40 years? Next verse. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. It is not to them that believe not. Since he swore, God swore by himself that it is supposed to enter my rest. I am not God. <laughs> because of unbelief. Because he has spoken. I said I've made this available to you. And I've shown you signs that I am the one. I'm, this, I'm the one I'm talking. I'm the one talking. I'm capable. They get there. They say, make us a captain. Let's go back. God said, what type of people is this? <laughs> look, at, look at the next verse. Then he says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So unbelief is a problem. That will prevent you from resting. And if you don't rest, you can't grow. Can you imagine? If you are not resting in Christ, in what he has accomplished, you cannot grow. That's why a lot of Christians are not growing. Because they are not even conscious. They feel that they need to do some things for God to have favor on them. All the favor you ever need in your life has made available. Can you imagine? All the grace you ever need in your life has made available. All the glory you never need. All the anointing you ever need is all inside. But people go around looking for anointing. It's unbelief. After seeing what the word of God has said, they say that, oh, this is what God has said. But, <laughs> if you don't add this one, it will not work. That's a problem. Your brothers and sisters, rest. Like I said, no matter what is going on. Okay, let me show you this scripture. And then we'll close. Time is fast spent. Look at Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31. It says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Next verse. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? How? So always have this at the back of your mind. How shall he not freely give us all things? No, it's done. Makes no difference what's going on. It's done. Rest in that particular fact and start thanking God instead of murmuring against God. We've been believing all this while. You, weren't be, you are not believing. That's why you're talking like that. If you believed, you wouldn't have spoken that way. He says, we are having the same spirit of faith. As it's written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. You speak what you believe. So if you, ask, if you catch yourself memory against God, I don't know this money, I don't know if it's even going to come. I don't know if, I don't, we don't even know what we should do to God now. We have been praying, we have been doing everything we have been doing. God is not minding us. What kind of God is this? Brother, there's something wrong. You've not, you are not at rest. 
you are now working. You feel that your works is what will make God see that you are, will merit God's favor and merit God's action on your behalf. Rests. That's what to constitute is I commend it to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. That's the only thing that will build you up. Resting in the fact that it has been made available. It is done. And then you start thanking God. Thank you, Father, that it is done to your glory. That money is come. So no matter what situation you find yourself in, you realize that you're always happy. Because there's a consciousness of the fact that it has been, it's been accomplished. Makes no difference. It's been accomplished. It's been accomplished. Makes no difference what I'm going through. Look at, look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He says, don't be anxious. Let's really amplify it. It's nice. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. About anything. He says, don't fret. Don't be anxious. Don't, don't be anxious in any way. No matter what you are going through. Instead of putting yourself in the gear of anxiety, I don't know, I don't know. He says, start thanking God. Make your request, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Then he says, and the peace of God. Next verse, verse 7. And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of his salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with this eddy lot of whatever sort that is. That peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He says he cares for you. God cares for you affectionately and watchfully. He is not going to leave you. He says <laughs> he has said so that we may boldly say the Lord is my help. I shall never fear any man. Hallelujah. So, makes no difference of what's, what's going on around you. Always remember that it is done. Maybe your health is deteriorating. Remember, it is done. My health was accomplished in Christ. I have impeccable help. And you start saying for yourself, you'll be surprised. That is your faith. Though. That is your faith. You are mixing the word of God with faith. You are mixing his promise with faith. You, you are entering into his rest. That's what you're doing. Labor to enter. Yeah. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we are not beggarly children of God. We are not whims at all. We are strong children of God. Hallelujah. So, brothers and sisters, always remember that it is done. The grace of God is with you. It is done. It is done. It is done. It is done. Remember what God told them. He says, as you have said in my ears, so will I do. So what are you saying to God's ears? It is done. Thank you, Lord, that it is done. You feel the pain. Ah, It is done. Thank you, Lord, that it is done. You'll be surprised that you will not feel that pain again. If you feel the pain, you say, ah, God, what is all this? I thought I was serving you. You are not in rest. You are in work. For by grace I am saved through faith. Thank him. Give him glory all the time. Thank him all the time. He says, this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks always. Always. Because that is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Why are you thanking him? Because you know it is already done. You know, if, if, you, know, if you know you have a will, there's a will with you having three houses in a certain area. Will you get to that area and be worried? You will not be worried. If you've not gotten, you are walking, you've not gotten to the house yet. Are you worried? 
You know what? Do you see that? What, 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 where is the house? What kind of inheritance is this that you can't even see? No, it's on, if you know that it's on the road, you just walk on. No matter how, happily, no matter the distance, you just walk on because you know that very soon you'll be sitting in your house. Yeah, he says he's made everything available. No matter the distance, walk on excited, knowing that it is done. That is the rest that you need. And that's what kicks, that's what kicks everything into, into, into being. Makes you grow as you're supposed to. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know if you've been blessed. These are the six factors you need to grow up spiritually. And watch your life go higher and higher and higher. You will not fall. You will keep rising and rising and rising. You are blessed with the blessings of God. You will increase yet more and more on every side of your life. Listen, your profiting will show. Your profiting will appear unto all men. Those who have laughed at you in time past will be surprised at you. They will ask themselves, is he the one? Oh, he's not the one. And you will come and say, it is me. I see the Lord helping you on every side of your life. I see the Holy Ghost helping you on every side of your life. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You advance. You will never reduce. I see you advancing every single day in the name of the Lord Jesus. I see you advancing on every side. Growing up spiritually. Maturing unto sonship. Unto sonhood. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.